0: Amen. Is it wrong that I didn't want her to stop singing? Well, good morning and Merry Christmas to everyone. I'm just curious. Who is who is opening who has already opened their gifts and then who's waiting for after the service? Have you already opened your gifts this morning? Most. And who's waiting for after? A few brave souls. <laughs> we had our Christmas yesterday. So, uh, we've already partied, we're partied out already. Who got clothes? All right, who got tools? Just, what is wrong with you people? Only a few got tools? Wow, that's the best Christmas gift ever. How about like kitchen stuff? Yeah, there's some kitchen stuff. We're good. Well, bless you guys this morning. Appreciate your presence here. And, uh. I'm trusting the the Lord Jesus to bless all of our hearts as we commit ourselves to Him and devote ourselves to Him this morning. As you know, I've been doing a little mini Christmas series out of just the very first verses of the Gospel of John, and John's Christmas story is way different than the Synoptic Gospels or Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, They take a different approach. John's approach is from heaven's perspective. It's a more spiritual approach and whereas the other gospels begin their stories say maybe a little bit before jesus with john the baptist's conception and then mary's virgin birth Uh, some of them might begin with the birth of jesus the nativity the gospel of john takes us all the way back to the very beginning of time And he starts his gospel with, in the beginning. And you expect him to say, in the beginning, God, because that's how the Bible starts in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. But he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then in verse 14, he tells us that Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh. So, he starts with Jesus back in the beginning, before all of this, anything was even created at all. And nothing exists outside of him. So as we think about, so John brings into our understanding of the Christmas story something new and more, and that is as we adore the little baby Jesus and in the nativities that we're so used to. It is that little baby Jesus that brought into existence everything. Everything in that Christmas story, everything in the scene, everything that we see here today in our world with our eyes and our senses. It's Christ, Christ, Christ. He brings it all. Christ is life. So we learn in our first sermon that from John's account, Jesus with, was with God, Jesus does the will of God through creation, Jesus is God. He's eternal, he's relational, he's a real person, he is a member of the Holy Trinity. That was message one. Message two, we looked at Jesus as the life. In him was life. We sang this morning that he, God gave us breath. It brings me back to the garden when He created man just out of the elements. What gave man breath? He breathed his life into him. We have the life of God in us. But it's not just a physical life John wants us to know in his gospel. Because we can be alive physically, he will tell us, and actually dead spiritually. And the only way that we can be brought to life spiritually is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. The God, or Jesus, can bring us alive and give us life physically, but then He can, so He creates us, but He, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, 17, can recreate us. We are new creations. We put our faith into the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ's Word that creates. It's Christ the Word that sustains all that there is. So we have life from God, but we need life in God. Ephesians 2 tells us that there are dead men walking. There are those that are alive physically. God gave them life physically, but they are dead to the things of God. They are dead spiritually. Jesus Christ came to give mankind, undeserving as we are, to give us life, to bring us alive to the things of God. We need Life in God, not just life from God. And Jesus Christ has the power to do both. So the Christmas story, the nativity as we know, it invites us I think to wander. To wander beyond the boundaries of this life. To wander beyond what our senses are aware of. And to be satisfied and to be drenched in a living relationship with the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. In Him is life. Well, we have one more concept to tackle, and that is, I saved it for last, Jesus is light. In Him was life, for John 1, 4, and 5, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The very first recorded words in Scripture was let there be light we had God in the beginning but the first words that were spoken God said let there be light Genesis 1 3 that's day one let there be light day two was the creation of the heavens day three was creations of creation of land and sea and vegetation day four was creation of the luminaries the Sun and the moon and the stars so there was light before there was light. 1 Timothy 6.16 says that God dwells in unapproachable light. 1 John five. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And Revelation 22.5 And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light. And so you see that, that in Scripture that God, Jesus, the triune God, is, is light, but it refers not just to His brilliant illumination, but also His pure, honest character of nothing but that which is good. That is light to the world as opposed to the darkness that, which sometimes in Scripture represents all that is evil. God is light, Jesus' light represents all that is good. And I think that there are certainly things in John's Gospel, doctrines, theological perspectives that are hard to track and hard to follow. But we know light, that's our world, that's our everyday life. We're enjoying light right now. So as we think about light, first is that what does light do but reveal Life reveals. When you're driving at night or you're driving, it starts to get dark. What do you do? You've got to turn your headlights on or you may have an accident. You've got to see where you're going. You walk into a room. It's dark. The first thing we do, thank the Lord we have electricity, we flip a switch. And now we can see where we're going. It's hard to go through life when you can't see where you're going. It's dangerous. It can even be fatal. You blindly reach into your refrigerator, pull out... What you think is orange juice, it turns out to be hot sauce or something. That's not good. It's just more practical, it's more convenient, it's much more of a blessing to be able to see so we know what we're doing, we know where we're going, we know what we're, what's in our hands, what is before us. Light reveals these things. Isaiah 9-2 prophesied about the coming Jesus with these words, "...the people who walked in dar- darkness have seen a great light." Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Isaiah prophesied that in the days of Jesus that people would be in in not just darkness, but deep darkness. They were spiritually dead. In that day, there were were many that worshipped idols. In that day, there was a lot of superstition, trying to figure out how the things work. How, How do you find favor as opposed to cursing people were just kind of groping in the dark trying to find their way and figure things out grasping trying to find where do i go from here that light to step out into i guess it could be it could be rightly said that life was like a shot in the dark because they didn't know really in their ignorance what it was all about or how to find what their hearts crave for. Light is a shot in the dark. You see, that's what we do when we don't know. If you sit down for a test, and I've done this, I know from personal experience, unfortunately, you sit down for a test and you start reading the questions and you don't know the answers because you didn't study, you're ignorant. But it's multiple choice. At least it's multiple choice. So, well, I guess I'll just... One of them's got to be right. Just mark one of them. That's living in darkness. It's living in ignorance of the knowledge of God. Jesus came to reveal God so that the world can know Him, so that we can know Him. And God can be known, and God wants to be known. He desires for us to know Him. John fourteen nine. Whoever has seen Me has seen the Father. I used to joke with my Sunday school class that when it comes to the Bible, if you don't know the answer, almost always the answer can be God or Jesus. And you're going to be right most of the time. Because God is everything. God knows everything. And when we know God, we know something real. We know something true. We know something substantial. Jesus came to introduce us, to reveal to us this unmatchable God. All of Christ's teachings had that aim, is to make God known, to shine the spotlight on God. So Jesus does that by becoming God in the flesh. Christmas is a wonderful holiday, still my favorite, I like them all, but Christmas is still my favorite, But it's becoming an increasingly, in my opinion, awkward holiday in our culture because if we're honest, a lot of Christmases are celebrated in darkness the way John defines darkness. Recently, I heard John MacArthur and John Piper were answering questions and uh, John MacArthur said something interesting. He said, I no longer see us as a post-Christian culture. I see us as a pre-Christian culture. And I thought, pre-Christian culture? The post-Christian culture still has remnants of Christianity. He said, we are now pre-Christian. It's as if Jesus never came into the world. We go about our lives as if God doesn't exist at all. as As if the gospel had never been preached. Now, I don't know that I would take it that far. He lives in California, so it probably makes perfect sense to him, but I don't know that I would take it quite that far. But we go all out, and we decorate, and we have our grand illuminations, and they are beautiful, but they are monetary, because without God, or the knowledge of God, or the light of God, we can't track them to anything or point to anything beyond that beauty that we see. And Christmas done ideally, and Christmas done rightly, everything that we do about Christmas should point to something bigger than we are. Something more beautiful than what we have created or decorated or how we've wrapped our gifts. That is the true meaning and the true beauty of Christi- Christmas, that it points to something more joyous, more infinitely satisfying than even the pin- pin- What is it? Pinterest perfect Christmas tree encircled. With a plethora of gifts. It's, there's something beyond all of the joy that we experience. And it was so nice to see everybody come here this morning in such a good mood. See all the chatter and the smiles and everybody's excitement. Exciting. All that points to something greater, something bigger that Christ brings to us. That's why I love Christmas. It's not just about these things. It's about Him. It's about what they point to. It's about all of the symbolism that goes into it. Of the benefits and the gifts that Christ has brought us. Because he is the light. You know if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia. That in uh, C.S. Lewis's world there. He paints a picture of a world where it's always winter. But never Christmas. There's that You have the cold. You have the snow. You have the glistening ice. But that's it. It doesn't point to anything wonderful that warms your heart. God's light reveals What we can't see, but we need to see. Second, light warms. When it's as cold as it has been, way too cold for this part of the country, way too cold for me, your body can't generate enough heat. If you're stuck outside, you can't generate enough heat to keep yourself warm. You need to find a source of of heat and warm up to it. Jesus came as the the shining light, as as our source of heat, to bring us God so that we can warm our hearts and our empty souls up with the fullness of God, to be worshipers that worship in spirit and truth. You see, to, to walk in the dark and to live in the dark is to be cut off from the warmth and the light of God. There's a sense as we think back in the garden, when man was expelled because of his sin... He was cut off from those things of God. Left out in the cold by His own doing. But when the light comes in, it warms our hearts and it changes them from the inside out. John 14, 46, um, John twelve forty six says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in Me may not remain in darkness. Isn't that interesting how Jesus often makes things so plain and simple. Here's your options. Here's where you are. You're in darkness. Do you want to continue in that way? Because I'm light. I can light your path. There's a true story about a preacher, 19th century preacher, Harry Ironside. I'm sure many of you have heard about him. He was an evangelist. He was once preaching outdoors in San Francisco, when a famous atheist approached him and handed him a card. And it read, Sir, I challenge you to debate with me the question, agnosticism versus Christianity, in the Academy of Science Hall next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Ironside read the card out loud. And he replied, I am very much interested in this challenge, therefore I'll be glad to agree to this debate on the following conditions. Namely, in order to prove that Mr. and it's blank, I'll just say Mr. Atheist or Agnostic. In order to prove that Mr. Agnostic has something worth fighting for and worth debating about, he will promise to bring with him to the hall next Sunday two people. One man and one man who was for years, what we commonly call a down and outer A man who was, for years, was under the power of evil habits from which he could not deliver himself, but who on some occasion heard the glorification of agnosticism and his denunciations of the Bible and Christianity, and whose heart and mind as he listened to such an address were so deeply stirred that he went away from the meeting saying, Henceforth I too am an agnostic. And as a result of imbibing that particular philosophy found that a new power had come into his life. The sins he once loved he now hates and righteousness and goodness are now the ideals of his life all because he is an agnostic. Along with such a man Ironside asked the atheist to bring a woman who was similarly delivered from corrupt living by the power of unbelief. One man and one Woman. Then Ironside turned to his side of the bargain. He said, I will bring with me, at the very least, 100 men and 100 women who for years lived in just sinf- such sinful degradation as I have tried to depict, but who have been gloriously sl- saved through believing the gospel which you ridicule. I will have these men and women with me on the platform as witnesses to the miraculous saving power of Jesus Christ and as present day proof of the truth of the Bible. At this, the atheists walked away, for while Ironside could easily produce 100 men and women transformed by the light of Jesus Christ, the secular debater could not provide even one who had been changed by his philosophy. How do we live without the light of Christ? How do we live without the knowledge of God? What do we cling to? What lights our path? What warms our heart? What satisfies our heart? What answers our questions? Christ came to warm us up to God and to warm us up and show us and reveal to us the ways of God that are good and right and true and satisfying. Jesus' light warms us up to the Father of lights. Third, light guides. What did God do with the hordes of Israelites that followed Him out of the Egyptian slavery and bondage and into the wilderness? The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. That they might travel by day and by night. They were pillars, you couldn't see them. And they were there, and they offered light. They offered the direction that, that the Israelites needed to know where to go. Where did God want us? Where is He taking us? How do we get into this promised land? However we go, we've got to follow God. Because as Moses said, if you're not coming with us, I don't want to go. But it wasn't just the pillar that offered the, the warmth and the light and the guidance. But any time of the day or the night, they could look up and they could see the pillars, and it would remind them that the presence of God is with us wherever we go. That's the presence of God. When we have the promised presence of God, it changes us, it does things in us, it comforts us, it creates a security. It enables us to grow because God is there. Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Likewise, Jesus said, I am the light of the world Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light and darkness are a very important themes in John's Gospel. Physically speaking, we know when we're in the dark. Physically speaking, we know when we are in the light. Spiritually speaking, we know when we're in the light and we know when we're in the dark. I know what it's like before Christ was in my life, groping around in the dark, just following the latest fad, following the latest philosophy, whatever was popular, whatever out there promised to make you feel good or take you to another level. It was groping in the dark. And now by the grace of God, I know what it's like to live in the light of God. To actually have to know truth. To know the difference between right and wrong. To know our beginnings. To know our end. Without Christ, all we have there's a broken compass. We're lost. We're reckless. We're dangerous. We pour gas on a fire to put it out. When we come to Him, He will lead us in paths of righteousness. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If what we want is God, then follow Jesus. Fourth, light stimulates life. Light stimulates life. We know if you've ever tried to grow anything, it has to have light. If you have a plant in your house and you put it to the window, it will bend itself towards its light. That's the light. It's created to live and thrive with light. It has to have it so it seeks after light. That's true for the human body as well in order for us to flourish. We need... Something that we take for granted every day, just the light that we see out here right now. According to medical news today, sunlight is essential for human health and well-being. The health benefits of sunlight include generation of and production of vitamin D, supporting bone health, lowering blood pressure, preventing diseases, promoting good mental health, and it produces serotonin, which promotes good moods. According to the National Institutes of Health, 42% of the US population is deficient of vitamin D. See light stimulates life. How much more so the light of Christ. Christ offers us his, his word to give us light. Thy word is a light on, a lamp unto my feet. It's alive, God's word. It's living, it's active. Not only do we read it, you've heard before, but when you come before God's Word, it reads you. But it blesses you. It guides you. If we deprive ourselves of God's light, we can't expect to grow in God's ways. Yet Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's God's plan that with the light of Christ, with our love and devotion to God, with the way we live, the way we worship Him, that people look at us and say, that is remarkable, that change is remarkable. It can be nothing short of a work of God. And as a result of our lives of praising and glorifying God, that others would see and be attracted and also give glory and praise to God because only God could do such a thing. The Christmas season provides a tremendous opportunity for God glorifying good works. We can give selflessly. We can receive humbly. We can sing loudly. We can fellowship joyfully. And we can all see gratefully. Fifth, light is not overcome. John 1, 4 through 4-5. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So the light comes into a world that opposes it. So immediately you have this concept of a conflict, of a battle that goes on between light and darkness. A battle for our souls, by the way. A bitter conflict. Jesus said, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. John 3.19 So let me close with this and then we're going to, rather than have a benediction, we're going to sing our benediction. I don't know how Noah has, I've left it to Noah to decide exactly how we'll do it. He probably didn't want me to say that. But anyway, we're going to close with a song as our benediction and we will leave joyfully, peacefully and hopefully in the light. But let me just close with this illustration. If you're on the highway And you're driving down the highway and you see those familiar flashing blue lights behind you. What is your response? Well, I would imagine that your response depends on your state of being. See, if you're speeding, you look down and you're speeding, you will immediately begin to get nervous, probably feel guilty. You're probably conjuring up some story, concocted story, to tell the officer to Help him change his heart to go easy on you. There's a sense of dread there. If you were speeding, if that was your state. Because it exposed the transgression. depends on your state of being. It could be that you're already guilty. Matter of fact, you're on the run. And the last thing you want is to get caught by the cops. Those lights. Because then it means that you're captured It means jail time and it means loss of freedom. So all you want to do is run from the lights by all means. But if you're that person on the highway and you're on the side of the highway because you're broken down in the middle of nowhere and you're lost and you got nothing, you got no means to communicate, you're stranded and you see these lights And they pull over to the side of the road. It depends on your state of being. You welcome those lights. You welcome that help. Without it, you stay broken. You stay lost. When we realize how lost and broken down we are. And our need for God's mercy. When we realize how willing God is. Plea after plea after plea. How many pleas have you had? To follow after Christ. In your lifetime. We realize how willing he is to save us from peril. We will gladly welcome the light. The lift from lostness that will take us back home. We will gladly welcome Christ into our hearts. The coming of the babe in the manger is significant because... It means that no matter how violent, no matter how evil, no matter how dark this world becomes, no matter how much this world hates Christ, no matter how much this world hates those that believe in Christ, the light of Christ will not be overcome. The summation of the book of Revelation, as confusing as it is, is our side wins. God wins. The light wins. No matter how much we fight against it, it will not go away. The light will not go away and will not go away in our lives. Thank the Lord, no matter how much we fight against it, Christ will pursue us because the light overcomes. John's gospel is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life in the name of Christ is available to all of us. What a wonderful Christmas gift. But what do we do? We just acknowledge our lost and broken down state and embrace God's merciful gift, the light of Christ. Christ's coming allows us to hope and anticipate a kingdom of never-ending Christmas-like celebrations where joyous good and beauty Never end, but only grow grander. May God bless the preaching of His Word. Merry Christmas to you. Have a blessed day. And Noah come and whoever's going to come help you. Close us out. I just want us to leave adoring Jesus Christ.